Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's time to play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here they come on third and five. Wilson. Boy, somehow escapes. He's going to run for it. Plenty of green grass. Wilson stays in bounds. He's still going. And he's in. Touchdown. Zach Wilson pulling a magic trick. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore. The 20. The 10. The 5. Touchdown. Two is buried. That was Sauce Gardner. Here he goes! Goodbye and hello Enzo! And Dyke swarmed, swallowed, and sacked. Guess who? You only got one guess. Jermaine Johnson. Here's Brees Hall looking for history. Hall with his 24th straight game with a rushing touchdown into the NCAA record books. Listen. Thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we're going to break down the Cleveland Browns as the Jets get ready to battle them in week number two. And in order to break down this matchup, I brought in the guy who I consider to be the absolute best when it comes to breaking down Browns films. So he's got the best perspective on what the Jets can do here and what the Browns are going to be looking to do to try and make the Jets 0-2. And that, of course, is our friend Jake Burns, return guest, who is the host of the Orange and Brown Film Breakdown over on the Orange and Brown Report. Jake, thanks so much for coming on the show, brother. Hey, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. So, Jake, let's talk about this. We saw what happened with Cleveland last week. They were able to eke out a win against their old friend or old nemesis, I guess, Baker Mayfield. And a lot of the reason why is because they just ran the ball down Carolina's throat. And it's the same old story. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt had two touchdowns, one in the air, one on the ground. Teams have trouble stopping this two-headed attack, and part of it, of course, is because of the offensive line. Although Jedrick Wills has caught some fire, overall, I think he's probably done a lot better than some of the critics have given him credit for. So talk to me a little bit about how the Browns were able to do this with their running game. The Panthers had to know that Jacoby Brissett was not going to be the guy that this offense was based around. We all know what he is. Very safe quarterback, not going to win you games, not going to lose you games, but he's not going to make a ton of plays. It was all going to come down to the running game, but the Panthers couldn't stop it anyway. 
Yeah, I think I think the thing that's unique about Cleveland is when, you know, they are uh, built to do some different things on offense. Now, what they have the ability to do that they the the current regime sort of stumbled into was, oh, we have Kareem Hunt, we have Nick Chubb, and we have two fantastic guards. And they're like, well, you know, uh, we understand modern football. You can you can eliminate certain things, uh, you know, as a as a means of a singular path to win. You know, you can't, you can't uh, put it this way. Passing the football wins you more football games than running the football does. But on the same token, what the Browns knew is, Hey, we have this in house and this is a really unique pattern to winning several games on our schedule with this ability. And the Browns do overwhelm a lot of football teams with how they run, run the ball. And that, that can bring you wins that you need. Now, if this was the singular path to winning football games, they would have re-signed Baker Mayfield and just made themselves a committed, run-heavy football team. But mm-hmm. you get an idea of how desperate teams are in the NFL to to be able to uh, throw the football, and not just throw the football, but throw it above an adequate level by what they did. I mean, you know how far they went into the realm of public negativity and all of that to 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 bring in Deshaun Watson. So, what's interesting to me is. Uh, though kind of breaking down how they do it. They have two, in my opinion, two top 10 running backs. And I I just think that's something people forget. Not that they have two starting backs. Like when Kareem Hunt was a focal point of an offense, he was a leading rusher in the NFL. He is phenomenal in both phases and he's a bruising runner. So the Browns have this ability and I've kind of made this equivalent uh, for, for folks this week who my pod and other visitation spots, like, Styles make fights, you know, mm-hmm. and the Browns have these two runners who are different. And, and like if you are overwhelmed at the point of attack the way the Panthers were and the Browns will play several teams on their schedule, not everybody, but several teams on their schedule who are um, teams that they will overwhelm from their front and their running back uh, group. So when they when they have this, they have Nick, who's one of the best zone runners in football. I, I mean, I try not to be biased. I think. I think Dalvin Cook is in the same realm, but there's really not many people that have the vision, patience, and burst the way you need to run outside zone base the way Nick does. So when Nick is going well, he can do everything, but they really love to stretch teams laterally with Nick because what he can do is you give him one crease or somebody's out of place, just one person's out of place, he finds a way to make them miss or he finds a way to find that crease. And he's just so dangerous. And then teams get used to that. They want to stretch laterally. They push themselves out technique-wise. They'll stretch out to a couple four eyes, maybe a couple three techs. They'll lose a, you know, take that shade and put him as a head up over the nose. And when that happens, the Browns are like, okay, that's fine. We'll now use power counter and uh, get after you that way. So they'll they'll do gap schemes. They'll run duo. And what they do is they bring in Kareem more often because he's a downhill in your face bruising runner. And that's just a completely different change of pace. You know, you're used to Nick. You're used to this patience. You can't overextend yourself because Nick will, will 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 take advantage of that. And then it's like, boom, Kareem hunts in your face. He's downhill. He'll hit you. He'll run through you. He'll make you miss. It's like, oh God, this is a completely different fighter. You know, this guy's approach is totally different. So they overwhelm you with that. And then the Panthers ran 26 snaps of cover one. That's a high volume of cover one man coverage. That was the most in the NFL in week one. And what the Browns did is they said, okay, you want to do that? We're going to have a bunch of pin pool concepts that are going to, that are going to punish you for that because what you're going to do, we're going to align our wide receivers and tight ends tight to the line of scrimmage. We're going to crack down block. When that happens, you got the, the, the people covering man to man, the corners and the safeties are going to chase inside because they're following their man. And you're going to 
pull two linemen out in front and you're going to have a bunch of alleys to run through. So they just overwhelmed Carolina in that regard. And, and really, you know, they could have run for more if they wanted to, if they had a couple third down throws at extended drives, they could have run between the two of them for about 250. I truly think, uh, but they ran for about 180 and, and did the job. They put up 26 points. They probably could have put up a, a good number more. Jacoby Brissett's quite limited uh, in what he can do and, and and really does limit them in some third and pass situations uh, that are predictable. But you know, the key to this, and I know the Jets held uh, Baltimore's run game in check a little bit, but what makes the Browns so unique is you don't have to prepare for a couple things. You have to prepare for about six concepts. And in between all of that, if you go into it thinking you have it figured out, which some teams do, you have one of the I had I think you have the singular best offensive line coach in football right now and Bill Callahan on the sideline with Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt and they adjust on the fly so fast. They are able to to series to series make changes based on how you're playing them and they typically figure out a way uh, to to handle the scheme that you're giving them. Now, sometimes, like I said, defenses can still find ways to stop it because they have better point of attack players collectively, but. If you have a weakness in the run defense aspect, they will find it and they will exploit it. They're, they're really dangerous at that right now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Jake, talk a little bit more about the Browns' offensive line because, as you said, the Jets did do a pretty good job of stopping the Ravens from getting anything going on the ground, including Lamar Jackson. He had one really nice third down conversion on a third and eight, but other than that, he mostly used his legs to keep plays alive rather than getting dazzling runs down the field. 
But as you said, the Browns are a very, very different beast with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. We know what they can do. Talk a little bit about how the offensive line opens things up for them and this matchup between the Jets' much improved defensive line and the Browns' offensive line, which is probably one of the best in the league. Wyatt Teller, one of the best guards in the NFL. So talk a little bit about this matchup that's coming between the Jets' front and the Browns' front and what the Browns typically like to do and what the Jets are going to have to do to overcome it. They're going to try to do wide zone stuff with Nick. They're going to try to establish that as best they can. And then they'll they'll continue to do some of their man gap concepts as well. So I have not studied Jets tape yet. I'll probably get to that closer to the weekend, like Friday, Saturday, to see how they combat it. But, you know, what you have to be prepared for uh, fully is a team that is so diverse in run game. They can run you laterally with pull concepts. They can run power concepts downhill. And then they'll run their wide zone stuff, which is which is truly tough to defend with the personnel the Browns have. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, Wyatt Teller, who is a fantastic player. Joel Batonio is a borderline Hall of Famer at left guard who's been mm-hmm. so good for so long. He continues to play well. They have Jedrick Wills at left tackle, who's hyper talented, but just has a lack of finish, lack of um, he just doesn't finish plays and he doesn't play with max effort all the time. But when he puts it together he's an elite player if he could put it together and finish plays he'd be a borderline pro bowler he's he's very talented M- much better in the pass protection element than he is in run game but nonetheless he still fits in because he's so athletic he can do most of it um and then on the right side you have uh well this is a bit up in the air so they have jack conklin who's one of the best zone running uh, tackles in the nfl but he tore his patella tendon last year so he's working his way back there was some thought he would be back week one he did not play week one but We'll see week two, but they started James Hudson, who is a uh, second round, a second year player out of Cincinnati, who they took in the fourth round of the 21 draft, who came on really well by the end of his rookie year and had a fantastic week one. And they they seem to really like him as a right tackle. He is a nasty finisher type, uh, really likes punishing people, uh, also athletic, too. So they, they I think they found something here with him. So I like him a lot. I, I thought he played really well week one and dealing with Brian Burns from. Carolina, who's a very talented edge uh, player down there. Uh, center was a bit up in the air. Uh, they let J.C. Treader go before the season, their center of the last four years. And they had plans of starting Nick Harris, a young young kid in his third year out of, out of Washington. Very good zone center fit, moves well in space, does all the things they like, and had a great offseason. And, and then in the first preseason game, the second snap tore his ACL. So they're starting a guy who uh, out of LSU who started – his last two years in Seattle of his four-year contract with the Seahawks. Uh, his name's Ethan Posich, who who played pretty well. He's an athletic guy. He can move in space, and he kind of fits the, the mold of what they're looking for. Um, so he will start at center, continue to start at center. They had 11 snaps in week one of um, six offensive linemen. They'll bring in a guy named Michael Dunn, who's an interior rotational player, uh, but, but is able to step out and play that extended sixth offensive lineman when they want to do that, too. So... That's the group. It's a. It's still a. It's still a good group because they're coached up so well and they understand exactly what they're supposed to be doing now. Three years into this offensive system, so it's um, you know, it's going to be one of the tougher run situations any team plays this year. So the Jets will be challenged for sure. 
Jake, when you talk about the Browns' passing game, obviously it's very different with Jacoby Brissett as opposed to Deshaun Watson. Jacoby Brissett, you mentioned, very limited. In fact, there's a reason why if you have a daily fantasy entry on him this weekend over at prizepicks.com, his player projection is less than 194 yards. I'm probably going to get in on that. I think the Browns' formula is pretty clear. They're going to run a lot with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I don't see Jacoby Brissett being able to get more than the 194 projected yards. If you want to play at prizepicks.com like me, all you have to do is pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry, no competing against other people, just you versus projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport you watch, so it could be the NFL, college football, the NBA, college basketball, golf, UFC, whatever you want, they've got it at prizepicks.com. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code PLAJ. If you deposit 100 bucks, PrizePix will give you 100 bucks. If you deposit 50 bucks, PrizePix will give you 50. Don't forget, enter the promo code PLAJ at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 bucks at prizepicks.com. And like I said, Jake, I am going to use Jacoby Brissett as one of my player entries at less than 194 yards. This past week, he had Donovan Peoples-Jones as his leading receiver. We didn't see a lot from Amari Cooper. We didn't see a lot from David Njoku, two highly paid veterans that you would expect to get more involved. Tell me a little bit about what you think you're going to see from this passing game here in week number two, and do you think that Njoku and Cooper are going to be bigger factors against the Jets? Yeah, they should be. Uh, Amari Cooper was open plenty in week one. They just couldn't connect. They They had a a throw that I think a little scramble uh, sort of pushback concept where he, Amari's running across the field or a 15-yard over route and turns back, and he was wide open. It just the ball couldn't get there because of pressure, so that ended up being a pass interference in the end zone. So that would have been a 40-yard touchdown. Like, he was open plenty. They missed him on a honey hole shot at the right sideline for a big gain. So he had three for 17. He easily could have had five for 90 and a touchdown. So he's still getting open. He's still a very good player. Donovan Peoples-Jones is... It's an interesting matchup. I think the Jets have superior athletes in Reed and and um you know Sauce who can who can man him up, but he's a tricky cover because he doesn't create a bunch of separation, but he can really bring in tough catches, low below the waist, bucket catches down low, go up and get it back shoulder it. He is a a contested catch guru. He was the highest contested catch uh, performer in the NFL last year according to PFF, and he started three of three in contested catch situations this year. So they really like him. They'll play David Bell in the slot, rookie out of Purdue. Didn't get a target in the first week, but he'll play. Anthony Schwartz will get some snaps as well, who can really run, but inconsistent catching the football and doesn't have a true, a true feel for what he's, you know, what his role is going to be like in terms of consistently down to down. Those are your four wide receivers. They played Demetric Felton as sort of their fly sweep, jet sweep motion guy. Uh, it's an interesting thing. He doesn't get the ball very much, but he does get out there and do that. He's number 25. Is an interesting decoy type, so he'll be out there. David Njoku is a bit disappointing. Signed a huge contract in the offseason and had one target for seven yards in the first game. He he had opportunities. I thought they tried to put him in situations to get the rock, but it just wasn't delivered to him. So I do think, though, they're still going to call plays that aim to benefit him. I, I think that target number will increase for David. I At least I hope he's too paying him too much money. He's blocking really well, but they're paying him too much money. And then Harrison Bryant is number 88 is... 
uh, their second tight end who will get some opportunities too as well. Um, you know, uh, catch the football and some certain 12 personnel stuff they do. So the Browns were an immensely uh, leaning into a team that uh, leaned into 13 personnel a lot last year. They had Austin Hooper as their third tight end. They have eliminated that really only five snaps of 13 personnel uh, upticks in 11 and 12. So that's kind of what you're looking at. That's the core group outside of uh, the running backs, Nick and Kareem. And um, yeah, I think that's it. They played Nick and Kareem together six snaps on uh sun last sunday so they'll they'll put those two on the field together to do some motion and movement things and create some advantages they feel like they can get from those two on the field together jake defensively the cleveland browns have one of the better pass rushes in the league and it really comes down to one guy more than anybody else they've got some talented players but it all begins and ends with miles garrett Jets fans are nervous, I think understandably so, because Max Mitchell, who's a rookie going into his second start and who had a lot of help at tight end, I'm sure is going to get a lot of help from tight ends in week number two as well. And George Fant, who has struggled at times against elite pass rushers and certainly had a rough time in week number one. Those guys are going to have to try and stop Miles Garrett and this Browns pass rush. Talk a little bit about what they were able to do in week number one against Carolina and what you expect to see here against the Jets. The Browns defense collectively is a heavy zone team. Cover three, they'll mix in quarters, but they don't run a ton of man-to-man. So you're going to get a predictable I think they're relatively predictable but they're they're talented enough that they can run predictable things and still funnel things to certain portions of the field that give them a chance to uh you know rally up and keep teams out of the end zone now last week they blew a couple coverages in the back half that allowed Baker Mayfield to have a relatively respectable day they're aiming to eliminate that they should be obviously no team wants to give coverage busts that allow 50 yard gain and a 75 yard gain but nonetheless they're they're talented. It's just a matter of whether they're able to communicate or whether they're schemed up. And I'm sure teams are always hunting hunting for ways to get them into situations where they know what the coverage will be and then manipulating that coverage. So we'll keep eye on that. But I mean, largely what they do zone based, they have two athletic backers, Anthony Walker and JOK, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, who is a special, special talent all over the football field. They they use those guys to cover, they use those guys to run fit. Uh, four two five base essentially. They play a bunch of nickel stuff. Greg Newsom, their first round pick last year, will slide inside occasionally and play inside. They played Martin Emerson, their third round pick out of Mississippi State outside last week as Greedy Williams is hurt for a while here. So, but they do have pretty good cornerback depth overall. The young man named AJ Green, who will play a little bit for them, is an undrafted free agent from two years ago who has established himself as a respectable corner. Uh, John Johnson, Grant Delpit play in your safety roles. Uh, John is the free. Uh, and, and then Grant is the strong uh, Grant Delpit out of LSU uh, in the 2020 draft second round. And then and then they took uh, sorry, they signed John Johnson to a nice free agent contract. John's been OK. Need him to be a little better moving forward. But that's your group. They play Ronnie Harrison, uh, a kid out of Alabama, started in Jacksonville, traded to Cleveland before the 2020 season. They'll play him at Dimebacker, move him around and uh, bring him on the field when they want more speed or go big nickel. Or they want, like I said, to have one backer and, and an additional speed guy in the in the linebacker box they'll put him in there as well and sometimes the I think the Browns played about seven snaps of three down front in past situations where they they brought an extra speed player on the field to uh, do some creative blitzing and some dropping into space to clog up passing lanes so uh, we'll see if that continues or if that was just sort of a plan for Baker Mayfield to, to, to sort of bottle him up in the pocket and make him uncomfortable um Otherwise, yeah, the front is interesting, man. I mean, Miles is a lead as elite can get. He's phenomenal. You better have a plan for him. You better put two on him 
Carolina didn't put two on him enough, and they paid the price. He had a sack, a strip sack that should have been a fumble recovery deep in Carolina territory, but one of the weirdest bounces after a strip sack I've ever seen. It ended up somehow back in Baker Mayfield's hands. So Miles was really good, led the team in tackles in week one, collectively played the run fairly well, uh, but he's a pass rush demon and, and like he just terrorizes people. So you're going to need a tight end and a back to, to, to help protect your left side uh, for the most part, but they got creative and put miles inside and, and Genevieve outside in the same side Clowney's your opposite edge. He's your strong side guy, more run fit, uh, you know, uh, effective, but, but when he, you know, he can get back, back after the passer with some, some, it's not, he's not a bend guy. So he's really played his more power speed to power, but he's certainly not as effective as Miles. But as far as a second edge rusher goes, he's he's still pretty dang effective. He had a couple pressures in week one. Inside, they play a couple guys um, that most people don't know. Taven Bryan was a first-round pick of Jacksonville a few years back. I, I think he ran the course of his rookie deal, and they didn't keep him around. So Cleveland signed him, had a really strong week one. Um, it's surprising some people how well he played. Same with Jordan Elliott, was a third-round pick in the 2020 draft. He did not have a very good first two years, but was – a guy they talked about all offseason in camp is improving his body, improving his mentality, and he was very good in week one. So they play him. They rotate in a fourth-round pick, Tommy Togiai, out of Ohio State. He's in his second year. He was okay, eight snaps or so when he was uh, brought in. They bring in also Perrion Winfrey, who they took in the fourth round of last year's draft – or sorry, this year's draft. He played about eight snaps, so they're trying to develop him as an interior three-tech guy for them. So that's your four – on the edge, they bring in two guys. As of right now, it is Alex Wright, their third-round pick out of UAB, the second third-round pick they had out of UAB. Uh, a very, very big, long-bodied, perfect 4-3 edge guy who has impressed in camp and preseason. He had a knock, pass knockdown and a pressure in week one in 16 snaps, had a tackle. He is um, He's big, man. Like He literally is as he's bigger than Miles, and he, he plays long, and he plays to his frame, and they like him a lot, so they, they rotate him in as their other – Edge, like when they put Miles and Clowney on the same side, they'll bring right in to bring the, be the opposite strong side edge. So they get creative with him. They they have Chase Winovich, who we'll see if they play him more. Didn't play him a ton in week one as he's coming off an injury. Uh, Isaac Rochelle's another guy that they bring in to rotate and be that sort of fourth edge. But we'll see m- more, I would imagine. The, the Panthers only got about 50 snaps in of offense, so we didn't really see what the depth plan is totally. So uh, I'm sure we'll see a little more of that this week and get a clearer picture. But those are the guys that will touch the field. The only person I didn't really reference is Jacob Phillips, who's their third linebacker. He rotates in at Mike with Anthony Walker every now and again. They, a young guy at LSU played next to Patrick Queen. They like him. He just hasn't developed. He's not a consistent uh, re-diagnose and make the tackle guy. That's what they they he he lacks that ability to diagnose, get where he needs to be, and make a play. If he did, he'd be starting over Walker, but he's not, and they're a little bummed out by that, I can tell. When they go base and bring on a third linebacker, like a true third linebacker, Sam, they'll put out their Sione Takitaki. He was picked in the third round out of BYU in the 2019 draft. He's a really good Sam, third backer, uh, can come up and play edge and, and walk up and do different things in their overfront stuff they like to throw out when they go base and go four DBs. So he'll be out there a little bit too, 44. He's a special teams anchor for him. But that's pretty much the entire personnel on defense. A lot of too high, a lot of too high to rotate down to one high safety, uh, do some different things in terms of deceptive cover three looks. But they're not the league's most creative defense, uh, but but they'll still, you know, I'd like to sit here and say that they keep everything funneled in front of them. That's their plan. But week one, they busted loose a couple coverages, a palms coverage where they had two guys jump a sail route and a post got deep behind them. And like I said, a, a weird scenario on a 50 yard seam shot to the tight end where. 
the Browns only had 10 guys out there on defense and didn't communicate the back end coverage and got busted for a 50 yard gain. So that's pretty much everything about the defense. Otherwise, though, they played 46 great snaps of defense outside of four plays, only gave up 275 yards. It's a good group, uh, but you have to hope. Uh, and I think the Jets case is they're going to try to manipulate them into some more mistakes because that's how you take advantage of them. Because man to man, they're they're pretty good. I mean, Denzel's really good as a corner at, out at corner. Greg Newsom's really effective. Emerson, like I said, those are their three core right now. AJ Green and uh, he plays a little bit too. And they and then they they'll bring in when Greedy's back, they'll rotate him back in. So they got a lot of depth in those spots. Jake, how are you feeling about these matchups that the Browns are going to encounter? Because you went chapter and verse on what the Browns' defense is and what they do. But you've got the Jets running back core, and they're sort of trying to emulate what the Browns have. Maybe not stylistically, but in terms of having the thunder and lightning with Brees Hall and Michael Carter. And then the wide receivers, you've got Corey Davis, the reliable veteran, and the two young guns in Garrett Wilson, who we expect to play more this week after not playing as much in week number one as we were hoping for. And Elijah Moore, who seems to be one of the budding star receivers in the NFL. He was open a lot this past week, but Joe Flacco didn't see him. And there were times where he didn't have time to throw on top of it. Talk to me a little bit about these matchups. What do you think is going to happen here? Yeah, I mean, I think the Browns will continue to do what they do. I mean, the Panthers have a decent group in DJ Moore and and, and uh, Robbie Anderson. I think the Jets collective wide receiver group now having added the two they did in the last two drafts is very dangerous. I'll be fascinated to see what they do, to be honest, whether they trace uh, Denzel around the field following Elijah, what the, what they do with it, how they tilt coverage to some of these guys. I really don't have a great feel for it because I think what they did in week one was largely Baker Mayfield's issues is what they tried to attack. But, um, you know, I think, I think the Jets will try to three-layer them, kind of high, medium, and low them the same way the Panthers did, try to take advantage of communication bus. I do expect them to get after Flacco. I mean, the Browns know Flacco really well. You know, I mean, Joe was playing with different football teams in in his Baltimore days against Cleveland. And I think his record against Cleveland has almost every AFC North guy, even Andy Dalton back in those runs were terrible Cleveland teams. So they're all pretty good records against Cleveland. They know Flacco. Well, they know what he likes and doesn't like, and they have a pretty good feel for who he is. I do expect them to, to, uh, in this game, drop seven quite often. I think they're going to try to play dense coverage and clog things up, but know that even though we're only rushing four, we have a pretty good chance to get after Flacco, make him uncomfortable without risking ourselves in too many situations where Elijah or Garrett can can bust something loose. So it'll be fun for Denzel and, and Garrett because those guys haven't played against each other in the Ohio State connection and all of that stuff. So that'll be fun to track a little bit, but... I don't expect Cleveland to blitz a ton. They only blitzed eight times in week one, and I don't think they're going to go crazy. They'll they'll get after it a little bit and be creative on third downs, uh, third and pass, just to just to just to rush things a little. But I expect a lot of drop drop seven coverages. I expect them to think they can get home with Clowney and Miles enough to make it uh, life tough on on the Browns. But I do think I'm sure Joe Woods and his his group, Jeff Howard, the DBs coach, are talking about how talented these pass catchers are and Tyler Conklin's no slouch in the tight end room I think he's improved a, a significant amount in his time in the NFL so it's a really good challenge for Cleveland on the back half because you know they play Baltimore they play Pittsburgh I think this is one of the better collective wide receiver groups in the NFL I mean I, I know they're it's very early in this group's uh you know situation but there's a lot of talent there there's a lot of talent and um I, I'm just fascinated to see where it goes I mean I I, I would I'd put them up there in terms of teams I'd want to take for a young wide receiver core for a while. The Browns have sort of built their 
system defensively around, hey, we know Cincinnati's got three dynamic wide receivers, so we are trying to build out as many DBs as we possibly can to defend them. So that works in Cleveland's favor that they, they're prepared. They've got a lot of bodies for that sort of thing, but that doesn't change the test. And I think the test will be something really fascinating to watch how well you know the the Jets can 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 scheme these guys these guys open and protect their quarterback because I think this game lives and dies with how well the Jets are able to protect against four down non non blitz situations because if you let Miles and Clowney and uh, Jordan Elliott and these guys inside get after you and make you uncomfortable with only four coming after the quarterback then you're probably in for a pretty long day in my opinion because you just um you just have too many bodies in the secondary to find consistent alleys to throw the football you know. Jake, last question before we run. Based on everything we've talked about, what do you think is going to happen in this matchup between the Browns and the Jets? What's your prediction? You don't have to give me an exact final score, but something in the neighborhood of a prediction of how you think this is going to turn out. Well, it's just, I think Cleveland's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I think if you had Zach Wilson, I think you're, you're, you'd feel a little bit better. I think, you know, from an outsider looking in, and I don't, you know, I don't study the Jets. I don't pretend to know the Jets as, as well as uh as i as i need to maybe necessarily but to me it feels like a game where cleveland's strengths match up really well with what the jets have uh that that is struggling so uh, on defense offensively i think it's it's really going to come down to whether new york can handle cleveland's rushing attack because if you let cleveland run 74 plays to year 50 plays and have the football for 38 minutes as opposed to year 21, like that's not a formula to win. I do think it'll be close, though. I would say something like 24-20. The roster tilts in favor of Cleveland. I feel like the Jets are a year or so away. The The talent base, the drafting has been phenomenal over there, I think. It's just, I think the health has been a bit of a unlucky scenario, especially with some of those others. So uh, Cleveland's more talented. It's their home opener. It should work out in their favor. But um, I don't think it's going to be six and a half. I think it's going to be a little closer than that. So I would bet the uh, Jets and the points in this game. But I do think Cleveland does end up coming out on top just by sheer nature of where both teams are right now. But I really do like where the Jets are going. Jake Burns, host of the Orange and Brown Film Breakdown podcast for the Orange and Brown Report. Thanks so much for coming on and helping break down the Cleveland Browns ahead of this matchup between the Browns and Jets in week number two Sunday. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out your work, follow you on social media, how can they do that? Yes, yeah, so I'm, I write at the OBR, so it's it's the Orange and Brown Report if you ever want to stumble into Browns content or read some post-game thoughts about the game from the other team's perspective, which is something I like to do because you get to feel for how other teams feel about the guys you you care about, right? So that's the Orange and Brown Report. It's a 247 Sports Network uh, site. And then on, my, um, on Twitter, pretty simply, at, at Jake underscore Burns 18. So yeah, you can follow along there. Make sure you follow Jake on Twitter and check out his work over at the Orange and Brown Report. Check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some fantastic All-22 breakdowns, including a really good video of DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner showing how they were excellent against the Ravens in week number one. 
and why they could be a special combination for the New York Jets. So watch those videos and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash play like a jet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, bless you, thank you shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there. tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.